Welcome to the All of Christ for All of Life podcast, brought to you by Canon Plus. This week's episode is a talk from Pastor Greg Strawbridge on authority and faithfulness in parenting. Check out the full series and more from Pastor Strawbridge now on Canon Plus. Our Father, we give you thanks for this time to study your word, to come together as believers, to enjoy the fellowship that is in your house and at your table. Help us be empowered, we pray, that we may heed your word's teaching, that we may learn to honor our fathers and mothers, that we may learn to be obedient children, and that we may glorify you through that and receive the wonderful fruits uh, as a result of that obedience rendered unto you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. In the 1950s, a psychologist named Stanton Samenow and a psychiatrist named Samuel Yokelson desired to get to the bottom of crime. What is the nature of crime? And they really believed that it was about environment. They thought that, in fact, if you were living in a context of poverty and oppression and you know bad architecture, that you would be a criminal. And so they studied this out, and they had a clinical test of about 250 inmates, and they actually came to quite a different conclusion. They came to the conclusion that crime is really a result of individuals making, as they put it, wrong moral choices. Later in the 70s, a book was published called The Criminal Personality by some professors from Harvard, and they looked at this question again, and they said the conversion of the wrongdoer is a matter of a responsible lifestyle. And another set of researchers looked into this in a book called Crime and Human Nature, and they determined that the cause of crime is a lack of proper moral training among young people during the morally formative years, particularly ages one to six. Now, obviously all such studies have their limitations and all that, but we can't deny from biblical point of view that the formation of the moral character of children is very important in the rest of their life. It significantly affects where they're going. Train up a child idea, right? There is a moral formation that we give as parents is very important. Now, in this series of sermons, what we're going to do is look at success in parenting. We're going to look today at authority, and I want to talk to children, young children, to teenagers, and to parents. Next week, we're going to talk about covenant faithfulness and what that involves. And then in the last week of this series, and again, this series was something the elders forced me to do. They forced me to do it. Um, They said you'd be fired if you didn't, so I had to do it. But the last one is children in worship. What are children to do in worship? So there, that is a totally theoretical subject. There was no concern about that whatsoever. It was just a theory, we thought, well, that would be an interesting topic to address as well. How should children behave in worship? I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course. We do want to grow together as parents and as a congregation. We want to encourage one another. We want to have a, a covenant unity in that. We want to have a unity of spirit. We want to be for one another in the task of parenting because, and I quote here from a recent sermon by Doug Wilson, he said, Human flourishing depends in large measure on the faithfulness and happiness of families. 
And this depends in its turn on the honor rendered to the parents by the children. This is, the Apostle Paul tells us, the first commandment with a promise. The promise originally applied to the land of Canaan as it was spoken here at Sinai. The Apostle Paul speaks the same words from heavenly Mount Zion. He says that the words of the promise apply to the entire earth, whether Ephesus, New York, or Beijing. Now let's look then at this text in Exodus 20, verses 12, verse 12, and also Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4. Hear now God's word. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And then Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Thus far the reading of God's word. One thing to begin with, as alluded to in the quotation from Pastor Wilson, is why do we find a statement about the Ten Commandments which promise living long in the land of Israel, basically the Jews being the covenant people of God, why do we find that showing up to a letter to Ephesian Christians? Now, I don't know how well you know your geography, but Ephesus is not in the Holy Land. It's far away from that. So why is the promise to live long in the land relevant to Christians? Well, if you were listening today, you might have heard a phrase at the end of the book of Galatians. Now, Galatians is all about the polemic, the, the argument between Jewish, Jewish Judaizers, as they say, that want people that become Christians to become fully Jewish first versus Paul's uh, preaching of a gospel of pure grace, that through faith in Christ, you come in to be part of the Christian church and washed in the waters of baptism, and no Jewish signs of identification are needed, that the gospel goes to Jews and Gentiles together. At the end of that book, which is filled with that argument, what does he say? Peace be upon the Israel of God. What is the Israel of God? Well, it, I don't think, given the whole book and its meaning, it can be peace be upon the people who deny Jesus but are nevertheless ethnically Jews. That can't be what he's saying. He's saying peace be upon the true Israel of God, the people that are circumcised in heart because they've put their faith in Jesus, whether ethnic or religious Jews or Gentiles. And here we have another proof of that same idea. Right in Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents, for this is right. And look what he says, verse 3. So that it may be well with you and that you may live long, not in the land of Israel, but on the earth. Because now the promise extends far as the curse is found. The blessings that are promised to faithful old covenant Israel are now extended to all the earth. Praise the Lord. Praise God. There's transformation. We find the same teaching in Romans 4.13. It is not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world. 
but through the righteousness that comes by faith. You see, Abraham was given a promise like this. Abraham, I'm going to give you this plot of land. And we're going to look at this next week, but in Abraham, in, in Genesis 18, 19, Abraham is told, I've chosen Abraham that I might bring about everything I've promised to him as he is training up his children and teaching them to keep the way of the Lord. Parenting is very much a vital part of the way God would fulfill his promises. And so here we're told Abraham is not simply heir of the of Palestine. He's heir of the world. The whole world is the domain of the kingdom of Christ. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. Amen. That establishes the point that now the purpose of these commandments to honor your father and mother now are a vital part of the kingdom of God for us today. They're a vital part of what it means for us to accomplish his will. And so often we think, well, if I could just become Superman, then I could do something for the king. If I could just be the best athlete in the world, and then I could really do something for the kingdom. Maybe I could take a bow in a football game or something like that. If I could just become a rock star, then I could really do something important for the kingdom. But what does the Bible say? It says, children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. Don't provoke your children to wrath. Be faithful in the Lord, in the family. They're very simple things. Remember the great, uh, I, love, I love the passage that was read, the Old Testament lesson about Naaman the Syrian. Naaman wants to be healed. And then the, the prophet Elisha says, well, just go wash in the Jordan River. That's all you got to do. And what does he say? What? I thought he would come out over me and do this thing and do something. I don't want to be healed that way. I want to be healed the way I want to be healed. And he says, you know, I thought you know, he would do something else. Are not all the rivers in Damascus better than the Jordan River? What, what is this? I'm not going to stoop to bow in this dinky little Jordan River. And then, of course, his wits came to him and perhaps through some persuasion of someone else was told, Look, if he had told you to do some hard thing, you would have done it. Why don't you just do this easy thing? Why don't you do this simple thing? And he does it, and of course he's healed. But that illustration is just this. Do what God tells us to do if we want the outcome of blessing. Do what the Lord tells us to do. That's the means. Oh, let me just search in all the libraries of the world for some secret success in parenting. Let me just go discover in India some mystery about how to raise children. Let me just search the world over and find some cryptic truth that will actually accomplish. No, <laughs> children, obey your parents. It's really very simple. Honor your father and mother. Now let's talk about what that means. First of all, I want to speak to the little children here. So little children... I want to have your attention for just a few moments, and then you can daze off after that, or doze off after that. But let me talk to you just for a moment, because children, this is a command directly to you. Look at what the verses say. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. So children, how, does this, how do you do this? Well, you need to honor your parents by obeying what they tell you to do with a smile. Can you smile? Yeah? 
And that's what they want to see you do, children. Your parents, when they say, go pick up this, go get in the car, stay at your seat, go to bed, they want to see you smile and simply do what they say. And that will bring great joy to your parents. Won't it, parents? Bring great joy. Just do what they ask you to do with a smile. And you know what else, children? There's a reason given for this. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Notice this, for this is right. Don't you want to do what's right in your life? This is right. So children, by obeying your parents with a smile on your face, you will do what is right. And also, as you practice this obedience, it must be quick and heartfelt and cheerful and immediate. And your parents, you see, they're trying to shape you and mold you into a faithful Christian believer. And little children, let me just say this. I've got some Good news for you and some bad news. The good news is your parents love you so much, they would give their lives for you. You know that. They love you, they care for you, they're going to protect you and take care of you. Here's the bad news, though. That means that they love you enough to correct you when you're doing something wrong, to punish you even when you're doing something wrong. That's love, too. It's love for them to correct you so that you learn to obey what they say and what the Lord says. The Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. And so you can expect that your parents, as they seek to love you, they're going to require that you obey them with a smile. Amen, children? Can you do that? That's what you need to do. Even today, show your parents that you are willing to obey them with a smile on your face when they tell you to do even simple, basic things. Now let me just say to parents of young children a couple of things. When you give commands to your children, be sure they're actual commands and be specific. Don't give vague commands like, Wouldn't you like to wash the dishes? That's not a command. Notice the form of that. Wouldn't you like to wash the dishes? A proper answer to that might be, no, I would not like to wash the dishes. That's a perfectly proper answer. But please wash the dishes is a command, and then children can obey. Or please pick up your room. Or please make your bed. Or whatever command it is, make sure it's specific and a command. And require your children a proper response parents, your little children, especially I'm speaking of, if you tell them to do something, require them to say, yes, father, or yes, mother, or yes, sir, even better, or no, sir, even better, a specific right response. And if they do not give that right response, once again, here's the bad news, correct them for that. Require them to respond a certain way and correct them for that. That's the discipline. That's the formation that they need. Don't you know as adults that that kind of ability to obey and submit to authority turns out to be pretty important in the rest of life, doesn't it? There's some other things going on in life, but that's a pretty important one to know when to say 
Yes, officer, here is my license, for example. And not to say, as I once said, and how fast were you driving? Not the right response. Not the right response. I need some help on that one. Secondly, big children, now to youth and and, uh, those that are teenagers, youth, how do you honor your parents? I believe you honor your parents. I'm speaking especially to teenagers, so I want your attention. You honor your parents by especially showing yourself faithful, being responsible, and earning their trust by faithfulness with a good attitude, a cheerful heart, a good attitude. And the key word here is trust. Show your parents by their trust, by your trustworthy actions that your intentions, that your plans, that your dreams, that your motivations are set on good things. And as you earn that trust, as you become more and more independent, your parents will find great joy in your good attitude of submitting to what they require you to do. Now, your parents are going to be giving you more and more rope, not to hang yourself with, but to go out and make a swing set or go out and tie up some trees or do something. They're giving you more and more independence, but as they do that, you must be faithful and responsible to earn their trust in the process. Do you understand? It's earning that trust that's very important. And the duty of this obedience, you see, passes on to children as they grow, but the duty of honor does not. By which I mean, if you have a, if you as a parent have a 20 year old child and you command them to do everything, you are still in you know, the preschool mode with them, then you may be missing something. And certainly if your child is out on their own and married and all this, and you start commanding them to do things, clean up your room, wash the dishes, you're missing. That duty of strict obedience is a maturity matter. But the honor is ever-present. So as teenagers, you get older, Even if your parents are not commanding you to do things, you are still responsible to honor them. What would it mean, parents, for your teenagers to honor you? It would mean for them to show you respect and respect your inputs, to seek your counsel, and to come to you and value that relationship. Right, And that is an important component of what we must be doing. And of course, I think if you learn to appreciate teenagers, if you learn to appreciate your parents' strengths and not criticize their weaknesses, then you will show them honor in that process. You're still required to be obedient and cheerful. Now finally, I want to speak to parents. Parents, disciple and cultivate your children. The command, of course, is honor your father and mother. And I believe that this direct command is one that you must insist upon, as I've said earlier. You must require obedience. We're going to talk about some ways to mess this up. But in the first place, you need to be the kind of parents that see that understanding their, your children's obedience is significant to the rest of their life and to what you're accomplishing in the world. In order to do this, your faithfulness matters. You must believe and be confident in the promises of God. One of our baptismal vows says, do you 
believe that, in the words of the Apostle Paul, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your household. To the first duty being faith, being believing the promises of God, and then rendering faithfulness as you seek to lead your children. Now there's a word in verse 4 specifically to fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Now why is that there? It's because in the process of parenting, one of the things that happens is when especially fathers do not get their way in things, they get angry. They get disturbed. And fathers, you have to manage that anger. You have to suppress that anger. You must be careful not to let that anger out, whether it's through yelling, through an outburst of anger, through profanity and cursing, or just through a kind of rage, or especially through an embitterness where you're always finding fault with all of your children. That will ruin your relationship with your children. Go out of your way. If you struggle with this, go out of your way to give your children the praise that they need, to encourage them by by selecting those attributes in their life where they can be highlighted in their achievements and in their growth and in their character. Truly, loving your children involves loving. It involves loving something about them, and it involves loving them in that way. If you say, well, I love my children, but you never compliment them, or you never encourage them, or you never praise them, then just turn that around. How would you like to be the person that someone says, I love you, but all you ever hear from them is the negative. All you ever hear is criticism. Suppress that and... Be encouraging. I remember talking to Pastor Mickey Snyder, who was here at the beginning of June, and he, we were talking about parenting. Of course, his kids are grown, and he's been a pastor for you know, a hundred years or something, and he's seen all this and he's been in all, all kind of interesting places. And at one point, I remember we were talking about parenting, and he said, "Well, there's this one family that was in our church, and the, this family, they just their kids grew up, and they were just phenomenal. Everything about them was phenomenal." And he described it and. And, and everyone would say, you know, what? How did you do that? What, what's the secret, you know? And they would say, you know, we just affirm and, and praise our children a lot. <laughs> that was all they could say. Well, that's, that's one thing that we do. Now, granted, there's correction that's needed. But especially as your children get older and there's independence developing and they're becoming their own person, you know, after that reptilian stage and all, and they get back into mammal, being a mammalian. At that point, you need to especially look for opportunity to affirm them. Really, through adolescence. Adolescence is primarily a chemically induced identity crisis. (laughs) I just made that up. I think that's pretty good, though. (laughs) A chemically induced Identity crisis. That's what it is. It is. And so what if you were going through that crisis? What would you want? You would want affirmation. You would want the kind of stability that says, go this way and not this way. You do need some correction, but you need a lot of that affirmative word. And again, this is, I think, directly just a way of saying, 
Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but do this. Bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. The discipline is the paideia. That's a culture formation. That's showing them what life is like. That's picturing the good life in your relationships. Don't present a false gospel to your family by making life horrible and miserable. And everything is bad and the sky is falling. And oh, the U.S. government. And what are we going to do about the money? That is not the gospel. And that's a false picture of reality. The gospel is Jesus is Lord. And it's all going to work out because he reigns. And we need to be faithful to him. And as you do that, then you present a culture. That's what the word discipline means. The word instruction. Instruction of the Lord. There are some parents that sit with their kids down and they pull out the systematic theology and they start going point by point by point by point. Not that that's always wrong, but the word here is nusiteo. It's a word that means counseling. Counseling. I've had to learn a lot about counseling over the years. And the, the, important, the important first step of counseling, and I hope I've, if you've come to me, I hope I've <laughs> done this, but the important first step is listening. Listen. Listen to what's going on. Of course, you do have to give some advice and information, but listen. So instruction is listening and then the advice that comes. Discipline is the formation of the worldview of your child. And the opposite of that is provoking them to anger. And you can do that in many ways. Let's look at some ways you can fail at this, finally, to close out. You can fail at this by not requiring obedience in the first place, parents. If you don't require your children to be obedient, especially as they're younger, then you are going to fail. Proverbs 13, 24, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. There are some parents that are super permissive. I'm not saying be super strict, but if you do not require your children to respond to you properly and to do the specific commands you give them, you are failing and you're not doing what God requires of you in this matter. Secondly, by not discipling them. And this is the corrective, yes, but the formative discipline. What is it that you want them to believe? What is it that you want them to see in the world? How are you forming them in terms of their view? This is that paideia aspect. The formation of their world. And here's the reality of it. As your parent, as your children get older, a lot of those conversations that are worldview formative happen at the most inconvenient times ever. You have older kids. I hope you can affirm that. They just don't happen when you want them to. Let me plan out a time between 8 and 8.15 where we're going to talk significantly. You can't do it. It just has to happen when you don't want to do it, and that's where you give of yourself. That's where you sacrifice of yourself, and you have that important conversation that leads to worldview transformation. And again, it is both things. Proverbs 29.15, the rod and reproof give wisdom. Notice that wisdom by by the correction and reproof, but also a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. By not discipling both correctively and formatively, you are missing that opportunity. 
by not cultivating your children. And this is the part of with love and nurture, accepting their giftings and their individuality. By knowing who they are, your children are all different. I don't know about identical twins. You can tell me this if you have them or know someone really well. But children are unique individuals, and it's important for you to surmise what their gifts and strengths and weaknesses are and deal with them that individual way and seek to nurture them properly as a result of that. By being unfair and harsh and explosive, that's a way you can fail. And again, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Don't be unfair. Don't be harsh. Don't be explosive. Learn some strategies to deal with your anger if that's your issue. Mothers can be harsh and unfair and explosive too. Mothers can become very critical of their children. They can become a fault finder. That is not a motherly attribute, fault finding. Suppress that. Remember the encouragement that's needed. Another way you can fail is by showing favoritism. One child is very compliant. The other bucks a lot. Which one do you love the most? Well, of course, I don't love either one of the most. Well, you need to be careful that you do not practice favoritism with your children. That is a a deadly kind of mistake in parenting. And finally, by being hypocritical. You require things of your children that you don't do. You require them to be on time, but you're not on time. You require them to be neat, but you're not neat. You require them to be honest, but you're not honest. You require them to be happy and cheerful in the obedience they render, but you are not happy and cheerful. You are pessimistic and you are critical. If you practice hypocrisy, you will find that that is going to produce some bitter fruit. Now, (laughs) this one is a weight too heavy to bear because we all have a level of hypocrisy in our lives, no matter what. I mean, it's just there. But become circumspect about the ways in which you're demanding from others, like your children or your spouse, things that you yourself are not doing. And, you know, one of the, one of the anecdotes to the, I'm sorry, one of the antidotes to being hypocritical is being gracious, is having mercy. James has that wonderful line in the book of James where he says, mercy is what triumphs. Mercy is what triumphs. You find yourself judging and being critical toward all other people. Maybe you're even critical toward other people's parenting skills. (laughs) Mercy is the triumph. If you practice that kind of hypocrisy, you'll have bad fruit. Now this task of parenting is, again, an important task because it really is the way God is transforming the world. As we are faithful to the Lord, it's producing generations of people. Very shortly, you will have hundreds, if not thousands, of people in your direct lineage if you have children. And those all you can transform through your faithfulness. They can be transformed through the relationship you establish. If we love Jesus above all things, then we are in fellowship with the source of all the love in the universe. 
But if we refuse to do so and we make idols of anything, we're going to cut ourselves off from that love. And the point of this statement is this. You can idolize lots of things. You can idolize your career. You can idolize money. You can idolize all kinds of things. You can idolize even your success in raising your children, can't you? You can make an idol out of, I want my kids to turn out this way. I want this. And anything you idolize as a believer, anything you put on that pedestal, get ready for God to test you on that point. Don't idolize this. Just be faithful. Just do what God tells us to do. Don't become anxious and super worried about how things are going to turn out in the future. Ladies and women and mothers, fathers, don't make an idol of your success and your ability to accomplish all these things. Rather, just be faithful to what the Lord says to do and leave the results with God. That's covenant faithfulness in parenting. Doing what God says, but leaving the results with God and practicing the worship of God at that level in your family. Let's pray together. Father, we ask now that as we've considered just the direct statements, children obey your parents, that you would write on the tablets of our heart the need for this, and you'd give us wisdom and encouragement with one another in the body to know how to do it even better, as we do lack for wisdom. And yet at one level, it's very simple. It's simply love, and it's simply obeying what you've said. We pray now that you'd give us the encouragement we need through this process, especially as we see our young people growing up and doing wonderful things, that you'd give us encouragement to see that you are going to use us. You're going to use our congregation. You're going to use our families. You're going to use our young people. Give us the grace to bear with one another through the process. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And now let us join our hearts in prayer as we pray for the needs of the church and the needs of the world. Almighty God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who upon this day did conquer death and rise from the dead, mercifully hear our prayers. Father, we now pray through the resurrection that you've given us hope of life now and forever in your new creation. And we ask for the the whole state of the Church of Christ, that you would prosper and bless your people in all places. We pray for ministers and missionaries and the mission of the church that in faithful witness the gospel may be preached. We do pray even today for Jared McNabb preaching at Christ Reformed Evangelical Church, CREC in Annapolis, that you would strengthen his teaching and preaching, that you would cause there to be unity among the brethren there. We pray for the churches of the Anselm Presbytery of the CREC, We thank you for the presiding minister, Bogumil Yarmulek, the Polish pastor. We pray that you'd give him leadership and wisdom in that area of the world as he's ministering very much in Eastern Europe. We pray for Covenant Bible Church in Alaska and our moderator and presiding minister of council, Jack Phelps. We pray for Christ Covenant Church in Langley, British Columbia, and Gary Vanderveen, for Attila Haidu in Budapest, Hungary, and the mission church there, for Theo Hoekstra in Gibbons, British Columbia at Grace Covenant Church, for Ralph Smith in Tokyo at Mataka Evangelical Church, for Christ the King Church in Eugene, Oregon, who are looking for a minister. We pray for 
Reformation Covenant Church in Oregon City and Pastor Dennis Turry, who's undergone many health-related concerns lately. We ask for your blessing on Trinity Reformation Church in Salem, Oregon, for Evangelical Reformed Church in Rocklau, Poland, and for Pastor Merrick, for, for the church in Poznan, Poland, the Pastor Bugamel Jarmulek, who's there as well, and for Pavel Bartosik in Gdansk, Poland. We pray for Kenny Anderson at Rogue River, Oregon, at Christ Covenant Church, for Dean Hellickson in Linwood, Washington, for Dave Hatcher at Trinity Church in Kirkland, Washington, for Jerry Owen at Emmanuel Church in Kenmore, Washington, for Yavor Rusanov, Rusinov in Burgos, Bulgaria, and the Presbyterian Reformed Church, and the church that may be raised up in another part of that country as well. We pray for the work of Alexander Sansanich in Rivna, Ukraine, at Rivna Bible Church, and for Igor Lashinsky at, in Ivano-Frankivsk, Ukraine, at the Reformed Church. And we pray for the two other candidate churches that have recently joined in uh, that are from Ukraine as well. We ask for your blessings, much open opportunity, many doors open. We pray for Tabitha Albrecht, who is, um, has served in, in a mission in Dominican Republic. We pray that you would continue to bless her through that effort. And we pray then to you, O Lord. O Lord. We do pray for those in positions of public trust that they may serve justice and promote the dignity and freedom of every person. We pray for our nation that you would grant to us repentance from our wickedness. We pray for our president and his cabinet, the courts, the Congress of our land, who seem to be abandoning many of the truths and principles of your word. We pray that you would bring repentance to us as a nation. Therefore, we pray to you, O Lord. We pray for the poor, the persecuted, the sick, and all who suffer, for refugees, prisoners, and all who are in danger, that they may be relieved and protected. To that end, we pray for the Vanderhoof family in Michigan who lost their 15-year-old daughter, who were once part of this church some years ago, and now face some legal battle with the State Department of Human Services. We ask that you would strengthen them in this ongoing difficulty and give them wisdom and resources. We pray for Jeremy Smith and Connie Miller. We pray for various members of the Kong family. We pray for Lynn Dawson, who has fluid around her heart and high blood pressure in her lungs, that as they seek to learn more of her condition and its causes, that you'd give wisdom to the physicians and give her comfort. We rejoice today with our expecting mothers, Aisha Smith and Cassie Raymond, and we pray that you would strengthen fathers to lead their homes in faith and love. You would strengthen mothers to nurture the lives of children with the milk of your grace, and that the young men and women pursuing your calling, who will even need spouses for covenant families and opportunities, that you would open the doors in every way. We pray now for those who long for children, that you would open wombs in your mercy and provision. And for many unspoken needs, Father, we lift up to you these things and ask for your mercy. Hear our prayers, O Lord. O Lord, hear our prayers. Father, we also pray for this congregation that you would bless those who are present and those who are absent, that we may be delivered from hardness of heart and show forth your glory in all that we do. Therefore, we pray to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear our prayers. Amen. Let us rise now and pray in the words our Lord Jesus has taught us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Success in Parenting series and more from Pastor Greg Strawbridge now on Canon Plus.